My scripture reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. It reads as follows. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. What a week we've had. Schools are closed. Sports activities have been canceled. Conferences are not convening. Major religious gatherings have been canceled. Congregations are not gatherings. Gathering Malls are emptier than usual. When I look around at the taxis, it looks like there's not many passengers in the taxis. Or buses. I saw the Riavaya this morning. No, not as many people in the trains. I spoke to one pastor yesterday who went to a funeral and they were turned away at the entrance of the graveyard because they exceeded the number of 100 people. On Friday night, I drove past several popular buildings and areas where people usually gather Friday nights from evenings till early hours of Saturday morning during weekends. And to my utter shock and amazement, it was quiet. No crowds, no loud music. What a week we've had. Yes, these are challenging times. And it's critical that we all listen and cooperate with a call from our president as he has declared the national state of disaster. We need to do all in our power to adhere to the stringent preventative measures that are outlined by the NICD and the WHO Foundation. We've been advised to follow just seven simple steps. Wash your hands frequently, avoid touching your eyes, mouth and nose, cover your cough with your bent elbow or tissue which you must discard after the use. Not the elbow, but the tissue, all right? <laughs> Avoid crowded places, and if in a crowded place, practice social distance like we have this morning. Stay at home if you feel unwell, even with a slight fever or cough. If you have a fever or difficulty breathing, seek medical attention early, but call first. All right, the hotline number is 0800-029-999. And number seven, stay aware of the latest information from the World Health Organization. It's quite interesting that last week Sunday, as you all know, we, we had a church service where our major drive in all our services was to alert people of the COVID-19 virus. It was an educational uh, initiative that we took on. Many churches did the same, and many organizations did the same. It's quite amazing that just almost just seven days ago when we were meeting here, the confirmed cases of people infected with this virus in South Africa stood at 38. Just a few days later, by last night, 21st of March, yesterday, the total number of cases confirmed is 240. You can do your maths and just find out how fast this thing is. 
This is why it's therefore important for all of us to take drastic preventative measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19 virus. It's encouraging to see some of the images that are coming from Wuhan in China to note that COVID-19 can be beaten. And it can be beaten. So it's in times like this that we need to heed to Isaiah 41 verse 10 where God is saying to us, fear not. All these statistics are not meant to bring fear in our hearts. It's just to help us to be informed so that we take preventative measures. God says, fear not. He says, I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. God says, I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Oh, I wish I was saying amen like you sitting out there in the crowd. I wish I was saying amen like you at home watching through television or live streaming. God says, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But let me quickly say, it's normal for us to be afraid as human beings. Because we realize how quickly our lives can change overnight. It's in time like this where we realize that our life on earth is fragile and very brief. It's also in times like this, therefore, where we are being reminded that God and God alone is the source of our comfort, the source of our fulfillment. Oh, I, I see some of you are not saying amen out there. I said, God is the source of our meaning. This book of Isaiah, as we know, is a major prophetic book of the Old Testament. It was written by Isaiah, son of Amos. And his name meant the Lord saves. Isaiah was a contemporary of prophets like Amos, Hosea or Hosea, depending if you are from Soweto or Hosea. If you are a born free or you are in America, you say Hosea. And he was also a contemporary of Micah or Micah. Or like one interpreter when I was saying Micah one day, we are told that his ministry began in the year 740 BC. This is the year in which King Uzziah died. As you read in Isaiah 6.1, it says, when Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. This book of Isaiah has 66 chapters, just like the Bible has, you know, 66 books. And you can divide this book of Isaiah into two sections. The first section being chapter 1 to 39, the second section being chapter 40 to 66. The general theme in the first part of the book of Isaiah is the announcement of the prophet about what was coming in the light of a people who had walked away from God. And because of that, they ended up in captivity in Babylon and with God's judgment on them. And the prophet issued a stern warning. But it's quite interesting that even in the midst of God bringing a stern message, the prophet also mixed in with that beautiful poems of comfort and promise. So this first section refers to several times as well of the coming of the Messiah who is called Emmanuel. That Emmanuel would come. In spite of the disaster and the problems and the challenges, Emmanuel would come. And the name Emmanuel means God with us. I want you to know at this time, God hasn't left us. God hasn't walked away from us. 
Emmanuel is among us. The second major section of this book of Isaiah is filled with prophecies of comfort to the nation of Judah when they turn to God for help, which is what we need to do at this time. Turn to God for help. So God talks to his people how they will be restored to their place one day. See, with God, even when tragedy comes, God is there with us. And God wants us to remember, to remember all the time, this too shall pass. And so in the book we've read, Isaiah 41.10, God says to his people, do not be afraid. This too will pass. This too will pass because I am with you. I don't want you to be dismayed. This too will pass. This too will pass because I am your God. This too will pass because I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will uphold you with my righteous hand. When God says fear not, this verse plainly, it's, it's a means for God to bring consolation. To the nation of Israel, he says, regardless of the fact that you had been exiled during your long and painful captivity in Babylon, you as my people, you have nothing to fear. Even though you go through difficult times, me as your God will bring you through difficult times. Even though difficult times come, even though difficult times may be protracted, but they will not last forever, therefore fear God not. And so God is not only addressing the people, his own people, but in one way he's addressing all people in similar circumstances. Whatever situation you are, whatever it is that's bringing fear in your heart right now, fear about your job, fear about your health, fear about supplies running out, fear of, con of maybe contracting COVID-19, God says to you this morning, fear not right where you are. You see, fear can paralyze a person and make us incapable of doing things that we should do. Even in the midst of this, there are things we could do. We can wash our hands. We can sanitize. We can practice social distancing. We can go in for medical checkups if we are concerned. There's something that we can do. Fear can also cause guilt. Guilt that is both real, sometimes that is imagined. Sometimes we say, I shouldn't have gone there. I shouldn't have done this. But these are not times of guilt. Doctors are warning us today that one of the major viruses that people are going to catch is a virus of people having a mental breakdown. You know that's not a virus, of course. But you see, because of the burden of fear, panic, and the pandemic that's there, people's emotions go into overdrive and they become afraid. And I was listening to one doctor on the radio the other day. He said, any form of that, when people get to that point where they become overly anxious and they panic, it, it leads to certain psychosomatic diseases. It has an effect on you because when you are afraid and when you are full of fear and when you are panicking, it has an effect on, on, on your immune system. You end up contracting things that you should not contract. Uh, can I hear somebody say fear not? Can you look at your neighbor who's far away from you? Don't spit at them. Just say, neighbor, fear not. They are far away. Fear not. Fear not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you don't go to them. Remain in your seat. And all of you out there, just give them a Bluetooth high five from far. Come on. Bluetooth high five. Just say, fear not. Fear not. Fear not. God says, fear not. Then he says, 
Be not dismayed. Tell your neighbor, be not dismayed. Tell your other neighbor, be not dismayed. Tell your other neighbor, be not dismayed. Say it again, be not dismayed. Tell them again, be not dismayed. Be not dismayed. Tell them again, be not dismayed. God says, fear not and be not dismayed. Watch this. When God says, fear not and be not dismayed, that word dismayed has a very important meaning. When we are dismayed is we become immobilized. We get to a point where we are so paralyzed by what's coming that we lose all hope. And so we don't need to be dismayed. Tell your neighbor you don't need to be dismayed. Tell your other neighbor you don't need to be dismayed. See, many times when we go through these things, we get dismayed. But God said, fear not and be not dismayed. This word dismayed, it means to see or to look. Or it means to look about as one does in a state of alarm or danger. When we are dismayed, we look around and we get what people call panic attacks because we become dismayed. The sense here is that we should become. Tell your neighbor, be calm. Tell your neighbor, chill. Tell your neighbor, God is still with you. God says, uh, be calm. God is saying, don't be apprehensive. Then he says, the reason I want you to become is because I am your God. Can I hear an amen? God says, I am your God. I am able to preserve you and strengthen you. See, the God of heaven was their God. And he has all power. And that power is pledged for their protection. And they had nothing to fear. I'm here to tell you that the God of heaven is your God. The God of heaven will preserve you. And his power is meant for you. Can I hear an amen? And then God says, I will uphold you. In other words, I will enable you to bear all trials. And watch what he says. He says, I will uphold you with my right hand. Tell your neighbor, God will uphold you with his right hand. Tell them again, God will uphold you with his right hand. God says, I will uphold you with my right hand. In other words, God says, in these times of trouble, I will uphold you. And the expression, the right hand, is a symbol of God's faithfulness. It's a Hebrew expression meaning that God is faithful. You see, God is faithful. Remember, throughout the history of the universe, humanity has gone through many challenges, many trials, many tribulations, many problems. But in spite of those problems, God has always been a faithful God. And I'm here to tell you, God is a faithful God. He's a God that can be relied upon. He's a God that can be dependent upon. I'm here to tell you, fear not, this too will pass in the name of Jesus. God is saying to us in these times that we shouldn't fear. Instead of having fear, we must have hope. Instead of having despair, we must have faith. These should be times of hope and not despair. Hope is important. You see, hope, according to the Bible, is a favorable expectation. Hope doesn't take away from problems. Hope doesn't make problems disappear. But hope is what sustains us during the problems. You see, hope is a very important thing. And so when we read in the Bible, God says to us, fear not. He says, I am your God. I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. 
What is God saying to us? He's giving us hope. Now watch. Our hope is not a pie in the sky, but it's a realistic expectation and we are looking forward to the future. Why? We can look forward to the future because we know that even in these times of trials, God is there to bring us through. So we can long to tomorrow. We can look forward to tomorrow. Hope deletes all regrets and all things that are in the past. And what hope does is it diminishes the drag and increases the momentum. See, when you're going through a difficult time, it looks like that difficult time takes very long. And sometimes you note, it didn't take so long in comparison with the length of your life. I mean, in Wuhan, China, even if they closed down for several months, all right, it was several months of drastic measures. But those several months, as compared with the length of the lives that are going to live on the other side of the trial, is much more. But it's a hope helps us that even in those times, we shouldn't experience drag and we should, not we should rather experience increased momentum. Number two, hope is there to energize us in the present. In other words, it is hope that says to us, it is worth living today. Why? Because tomorrow is a brighter day. You see, if we look at doom and gloom, if we look at the coronavirus and only the statistics of people dying, if that's all that we focus on, then we will be filled with dread, we will be filled with fear, we will be filled with panic. It's true that's happening. It is true all of that is happening. It's true the numbers are increasing. But it is also true that we can take preventative measures. It is also true that even if people have been infected, over 80% of people recover. It is true. I don't know about you, but I'll be on the side of the recovering ones. Hope energizes the present. These are not times that we should put our dreams on hold. These are not times that we should stop praying. These are not times that we should stop seeking God. These are not times that we should stop to be neighborly. We should stop caring. We should still continue in spite of the challenge that's before us. Number three, hope lightens our darkness. Like I said, hope does not deny the darkness. It doesn't re remove the reality of the dark and painful times. But you see, hope is like a glimmer of light. It's like light that shines bright in the midst of darkness. Hope is what helps us through the valley of the shadow of death. And it is hope that makes us say, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And you know why we will fear no evil? Because thou art with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm here to tell you, God is there to comfort you. God is there to see you through. God is there to carry you. Can I hear an amen in this? Hope lightens the darkness. Hope brings light in the midst of darkness. Number four, hope is the bedrock of our faith. You see, times like this expose to all of us where our faith is based. If you haven't had a living relationship with God and your faith is not based on God, just like it happened years ago when the stock market plummeted, you did see images on television of a man at Wall Street who was known to have been a multi, multi, multi billionaire or trillionaire. When the stock market plunged, 
he went to the top of one of the hotel buildings there and literally jumped to his death. Why? Because you see, if we pin our hopes on the things of this world, if we pin our hopes on our own strength, times like this can be difficult ones. It's time for us as a people to start thinking seriously about where our hope is based. It's time for us to realize we are not as strong as we thought. We are not as clever as we thought. Hey, we are not as infinite as we thought. Hey, hey, we are not as strong as we thought. But my goodness, even in times like this, if, you're, if, you're, if you've pinned your hopes on God, even in times like this, you can turn to God. We can turn to God who's a rock, who's a hope, who's a salvation. Our hope is the bedrock of faith. Faith fuels hope, but hope also fuels faith. As Hebrews 11 makes it clear that it's hope, faith, and love. And that hope and faith are closely tied together. And both of them enliven one another. They feed off each other. Without faith, we cannot sow in hope. But without hope, faith will limp home. The greatest believers of all times were men and women who had great hope. And they hoped in God. Number five, hope is infectious. Listen to this. It's at this time where you, my sister, my brother, people are looking to you and looking up to you for inspiration. I'm not talking about false hope. I'm not talking about things that are not real. I'm not talking about denial of the reality. COVID-19 is here. We can't deny its presence. I'm not talking about being a denialist. But what I'm saying is just as much as we can drag others into despair, in the same way we can inspire and motivate others through our inspiring hopes. There are homes where there's somebody in that home sitting all by themselves at this time. And as they see things on television, they are filled with fear. As they read newspapers, they are filled with fear. You and I, we can be activists. We can be the people who go around giving people hope. There's an elderly person somewhere who's all alone. We can show Christian love by going to that home with all the preventative measures taken, but giving some hope. There are people who are going to run out of food, most probably, who may not have all the necessary resources if we ever get to that place. But you and I, we can be men and women who can bring hope. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? Hope is infectious. So it not only encourages other sagging, sagging Christian, but it also imparts to the depressed unbelievers who cannot ask a reason for hope. There may be people who may have said, God's not there. They may have said, I don't believe in this God of yours. This is not a time for us to be judgmental to anybody. But this is a time to try and lift up others when we see that they are feeling a sense of helplessness. Number six, hope is healing. When I counsel people very often times, I find out that the first thing you must deal with when you deal with people who are depressed is to try and give them a sense of hope. Even when you go and pray for people who have terminal conditions, oftentimes are found with terminal conditions, people's hearts sink into total despair. The first thing we must do is to try and lift up the hope of the people. By definition, depression 
is a sense of hopelessness. In other words, depression tells us things cannot get better and things will not get better. And that is why we want to give people hope. We want to give people hope in the majority of cases. And when you give people hope, even if their condition is not necessarily removed, for the most part, they begin to amend. In other words, when you give people hope, you are telling them there is a way out. There are things that you can do for yourselves. You can get out of your bed and stand on your own feet and not lie there moaning the whole day. There is hope. So hope in itself is a huge step towards amending and healing. Number seven, hope is practical. Hope doesn't mean we just sit and wait for utopia to appear. Not at all. But what hope does, it motivates us into action. When we hope for a better day, we move forward. When we hope for a better conversation with our children, we move forward. Here we came today, just a hundred of us. In spite of the fact that we're not used to this format, and the many people who are watching, you couldn't go to church today. You may have wanted to, but because you're an obedient citizen, you are watching on television or live streaming, you are doing your best to have church right where you are. That's the kind of thing I'm talking about. I said, that's the kind of thing I'm talking about. When we hope we move forward with God's blessing. Number eight, hope stabilizes us in the midst of the storm. It stabilizes us. And that's why our hope anchors us in these dark stormy times. When you read Hebrews chapter 10, it's a very powerful verse. This is what it says. It says, but remember the former days when you endured harsh conflict of suffering after you were enlightened. At that time, you were publicly exposed to abuse and affliction. And at other times, you came to share with others who were treated in that way. For in fact, you shared the suffering of those in prison. And you, belong, and you accepted the confiscation of your belongings with joy. Because you knew that you certainly had a better lasting possession. So, do not throw away your confidence. Because it has great reward. For you need endurance. You need patience. In order to do God's will. And you will receive the promise. Can I hear an amen? amen. Hope is like an anchor. When you throw an anchor into the waters, it goes down into the sea or into the river or whatever body of water that you are at and it reaches for something that is outside of sight. It is hope that reaches out for things that are outside of our sight, things that we may not be there yet, but hope catches those things that are in our future. And as I close, hope comes as a result of an impersonal encounter with Jesus. If you haven't had a personal encounter with Jesus, this is your time. This is your time to call on Christ, to give your life to Christ, and say, Jesus, I, I walked away from you. Jesus, I, I didn't think you were so important in my life, but I come to you just as I am. This is what the Bible says about Jesus. As we talk about Jesus Christ in these days of Lent, as we're heading towards Good Friday, where we remember his death, burial, and resurrection. The greatest story ever told on the cross, the story of hope. This is what it says about that story in Matthew 4, 16. As the prophecy went about this Jesus, it says, the people who sat in darkness 
have seen a great light. And upon those who sat in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. Oh, Jesus has come to bring light in your life. Light in your despair. Jesus has come to bring light in your hopelessness. He has come to bring light even when you are depressed. Light even when you don't see any light of day. I challenge you to draw closer to him. I challenge you to come to him with all your heart. I challenge you to embrace him. He is the source of hope. Number two, hope is also cultivated on our knees as we pray. I wonder if this is not a time for us as a people to go back on our knees and start praying. Oh, God says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. We need healing. Our land needs healing. We need God's intervention. And we can go down on our knees and call on our God. And he has promised That when we call upon him, when we call upon him with hearts that are sincere, he will intervene in our lives. And I'm going to ask you right where you are to join us in a moment of prayer. Because we know that God can intervene. I want to pray for several people now, right where you are. Remember, there's no distance in prayer. God is right there where you are. God will hear your prayer. God will hear your request. God will hear your petition when you come to him with an open heart. If you know you haven't made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you follow me in this prayer as you pray right where you are? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you just as I am. I give my life to you. I yield my life to you. For you to be the Savior And the Lord of my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me all my sins. Make me your own child. Thank you for hearing my prayer. And for coming into my heart. In Jesus name. Amen. Let me pray for other things now. These are not easy times as we said. But it's in these times that we shouldn't despair. Maybe you're there having some condition, some sickness, some disease. Maybe you are so afraid that you've been infected, whatever the case. Could be that there's a condition that existed before and you just need prayer. I don't need to lay my hands on you in any way. Right where you are, God is there with you. Whatever your need is, you need prayer. Would you just join me in this prayer as I pray for you now? Let us pray. Lord, I pray for this, your child, today. For the healing power of God to come upon their lives. Thank you that you are a God who heals. You are a God who intervenes. Touch their lives now. Raise them up from their sick bed, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. It could be also that it may not be sickness, it may not be disease, but it could be other things that have brought hopelessness they've brought fear could be a family situation could be a situation that has to do with your work and right where you are your heart is filled with fear and your heart is filled with hopelessness let me pray with you right now Father thank you
for this your child today. We pray for them for their situation at work. Their situation with the family. Whatever situation they are carrying. Thank you that you are a God who is always present. A God who never leaves us. A God who never forsakes us. In Jesus name. Amen. As I conclude, I'm going to ask you all to remain right where you are as we take a few minutes to pray for our nation, our country, that the spread of COVID-19 will be brought under control. We also pray that God supernaturally will intervene, that the vaccine will be found or a cure will be found for the people around the world to be helped. Will you join us as the musicians join us up on the stage right now? Let us pray. Just pray right where you are, everybody. Lord, we come before you because you are our hope. We come before you because you are a God who hears. You are not a God who is absent. You are a God who is always there. We pray. We pray, God, that the COVID-19 spread in our country will be brought under control. Give to our authorities the wisdom and the knowledge to continue doing what they should do. We pray for the people of our nation that they will not in any way disobey what they have been instructed. We pray in Jesus' name that you will give medical practitioners and all those in the science arena the wisdom and the knowledge to come up with a vaccine so that this virus can be cured. Oh God, you've always been a God who's with us. We ask you to forgive us of our wrong. Forgive us of our sins. You've reminded us, oh God, we are reminded at this time of how finite we are. We turn to you with all our hearts as our God. Help us in these days as we are trying to do things that we haven't done before. As we are moving into the new normal. As we are walking away from what we are used to doing. That you as our God help us through this time. We give you the glory in Jesus name.